Hey everybody, welcome to Clark Talks, the Colombian's podcast where we bring you the stories and views behind the news. I'm Damien Pizzanti. And I'm Katie Gillespie. So we got a couple things coming at you this week, as we always do. What are we talking about? Talking about escape rooms? We're talking about escape rooms. So our main story today, uh, as promised a couple weeks in a row, but now yeah. actually bringing you, is uh, the folks locally who run various escape rooms around town. And if you don't know what an escape room is, well, you're going to find out today, but just as mm-hmm. a little taste. Um, the idea is you're locked in a room, you have an hour, and you have to figure out how to get out. So yeah. think, think like the movie saw only much less gory and graphic yeah much less gory much and graphic. more fun. <laughs> <laughs> but same principle applies you're trying to get out yep and then we are going to touch base with one of our breaking news reporters emily gillespie no, who i don't think we've featured on she i don't think no, she's been on the show yet her, this is her uh this is her, her inaugural visit. Her inaugural inog- visit yeah to- and we should say no relation to the gillespie sitting right across from me as i record this yeah so don't call me don't email me about things that you want to tell emily about and vice versa yeah <laughs> yep don't call them sisters don't call them cousins none of that either nope so anyway- but she has got a, a really interesting story coming up this weekend about child exploitation online um which i i think is always an ever an ever growing story um, as kids, you know, have access to online games on their phones and, um, you know, whatever new as website. As kids know more about the internet kids, than all of us. <laughs> right, right. Which, yeah. I mean, is not a new phenomenon by any stretch. But nope. um, but she she's done a, a pretty important bit of reporting for this weekend's paper. So mm-hmm. she'll talk to us a little bit about that. And then, as usual, we'll wrap it up with Ashley and tell you what to do this weekend. Anyway, stay tuned. All right, so we are sitting down for the main part of our show today with a uh, veritable posse of escape room experts in Clark County. We're sitting down with uh, with some folks from Northwest Northwest Escape es- Experience, um, as well as Mythic Escapes, uh, and they're going to tell us a little bit about what's an escape room and why you should do it and what makes it awesome. So thanks for coming on, everybody. Well, thanks for having us. It's a, we appreciate uh, you inviting us down. So just real quick, um, so everybody gets an idea, anybody listening to this gets an idea of who they may be hearing. Would you guys introduce yourselves real fast, who you are and who you're with and all that good stuff? All right. I am uh, John Ledbetter, CEO of Mythic Escapes uh, here in Vancouver. Um, we have several locations around Vancouver and Kelso Longview. My name is Rob Bertrand, and I am co-owner of Northwest Escape Experience right here in Hazeldale, Washington. My name is Paige Major, and I am also co-owner of Northwest Escape Experience. For anybody who hasn't listened to this and has no idea what an escape room is, I when we were teasing this episode, I told people that the first thing I thought of really is like the movie Saw. <laughs> like you're trapped in a room and you got to figure out how to get out. Uh, is that how how accurate am I when I make that assumption or make that analogy? Well, you know, it really depends on what room you go to. Uh, every room has a different theme, a different feeling, a different atmosphere. Uh, our room is a serial killer room, and it's based on a variety of different horror movies, whereas John's room is much different, right? Um, our most popular room right now, you're actually uh, on a pirate ship with uh, trying to escape from Blackbeard. He's locked you up, and you have to get out before the pirates return. 
I said I would ask this last week, and I just want to make sure that I do ask this. Your room is serial killer based, but you're not, unlike the movie, you're not going to have to cut your arm off or anything like that to get out of there, are you? No, absolutely not. There's, it's, it's, we're really about just putting you in a creepy environment and testing your brain and seeing if you can work through puzzles. Are you smarter than a serial killer? Can you escape? And how, how scary are these things? I mean, are there jump scares? Is it kind of just creepy and uncomfortable? Or, like, how scary is your room? Uh, our, our room, it's creepy. Uh, we, I don't consider it super scary. I consider it to be more of a PG-13 room. Uh, it is a really creepy environment, and you are dealing with a serial killer. Uh, we don't really have a jump scare. Well, maybe you have one jump scare. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it, but... Um, we don't really focus on scaring you out of your wits like we want you to have a good time we want you to come in and have fun with your family and your friends your loved ones so it's not about the scare to us it's more about just telling a really good story yeah um very similar uh we did have a a quote-unquote scary room during halloween or actually for the fourth quarter of uh of 2016 and we'll be bringing one like that back again our our current rooms are all family friendly uh you know there's nothing that would be inappropriate for anyone eight or older um, but we did have a, an alien themed room where you were trapped on a spaceship with the uh, with the aliens and there were numerous jump scares, but we were going for that Halloween time frame with that one. As much as you guys can, can you tell us a little bit about the whole idea of escape rooms? At least in my experience, this feels like a relatively new phenomenon. You hear about the haunted houses during you know Halloween and even during like the county fair and things like that. But as far as being like a staple regular business that somebody can go to is like an alternative to bowling on a Saturday night. How did we get to this point? Well, and maybe the one thing that that I first thought of when I became aware of this of of this business model and correct me if I'm wrong was those old like flash games from the not like the scarlet room or the red room or whatever it was where you're in a room and you have to click on stuff in order to get out I guess it started from that uh, very similar to that um, they've been in Europe and Asia for 10 15 years mm. and they grow and grow and grow in popularity over there this huge density like movie theaters are in the US if you pull up like TripAdvisor for Paris next to the Eiffel Tower is an escape room on the top sightseeing things there um and they've been slowly working their way to you know the 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 north uh north america here uh they're very popular in canada and they've hit the east coast pretty good um and then the la area they're very popular and they're just they've been slowly progressing the general theme of them is is more it could be an escape it could be solve something it's basically there's a challenge that your team has to get together and solve one way or the other um whatever the theme happens to be um and it it puts a dynamic of people together where each of them can use their specialties what they're good at some people can think visually very well some people are really good at math some people are good at physical puzzles um some people are just good at finding things and there's we try and put in puzzles that would match each of those things. And then you put that team together and you see the dynamic of, uh, especially when we're doing like team building, uh, which we do a lot during the week with corporate events, you see that even though you may have had some super all-star aces that you thought you had with you, that without the support of the rest of the team, they would they fail miserably, and they do. The guys that like to fly solo, uh, they don't do nearly as well, no matter how smart they think or, or might be. Without that support or, or different perspectives of other people, 
um, or that teamwork that you see that failing and you see like the the smaller back office teams kick the butt of the <laughs> the, the better you know ace sales people because the back office has learned to work together much better than you know what the point people usually do and, and that's kind of the dynam dynamic there yeah it's fun like you'll see certain people step forward and become leaders like like people you wouldn't normally uh think would like we just had a, a group come through and their young daughter who was probably about 13 years old became the leader of that group and was solving the puzzles for their mom and dad and it was just amazing to see I mean, being now that this is the this is the crew of escape room uh, escape room artists escape room creators in Clark County, what made you guys think that this was the right time and the right place for this idea to to happen and to be successful? Well, we've actually had a game store in Salmon Creek, uh, the classic board game card game. Um, no video games. We were all about social games. Uh, it's been there for about four years in Salmon Creek. And when we saw that there was, you know, basically take that board game and make it real life, walk into the game itself and get to play interactively with it. And us being gamers, it was a natural evolution for us. I, I too am a gamer, uh, but I've also worked in the entertainment industry all my life. I've worked in TV, radio, movies, and the last nine or ten years, I'd actually worked for a, a corporation, and I was just so tired of it. I wanted to get back to entertaining people for a living. And uh, so Paige and Tamara went to an escape room and had a great time. And she, my wife, Tamara, came home and just said, Rob, you've got to go. You've got to check this out. It's amazing. And so I'm like, yeah, 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 right. So it's going to be fun. Okay, let's go. So I went and walked out of that place with my eyes like saucer plates. Like, it was so much fun. I had such a great time with my children. And I'm like, I can do this. So we took a few months and we planned it out and we opened up a, a, a room in um, Vancouver and Hazeldale and tried it out. And the response was amazing. And not only that, we are having a blast doing it. So that kind of brings up a good point. I, you, and Rob, you all touched on this just now. But but I mean, what are what are your guys's backgrounds and how do you I mean, are you theater people? Like, how do you get to the point where you're designing rooms? Uh, my background is IT. I've been doing IT for 25 years. Um, the last 10 years of it, I've been an independent consultant working with companies. So I had a lot of tech background. Mm. Uh, my wife is a theater, used to be a theater star. She did theater for many, many years. Um, my brother, who's one of the partners in the business, is uh, one of the lead designers for Danner Footwear. Uh, so he's a designer. He's a graphic artist. He knows how to draw not only draw but create stuff from nothing which is really cool and our our last partner is a videographer he he's done a lot of commercials he had a video production company so he was all about kind of that hollywood piece of it bringing that to it and then you put it all together and you get the really cool techie props with the giant screen videos playing uh, inside a room that's been custom designed from the ground up um, and then the stories, my wife helps a lot with the backstories and stuff of that nature. Well, you already heard my background. I, yes, I grew up in theater, 12th in high school, uh, theater class, loved it. Um, set building, script writing, videography, all of that. And really, it took these two ladies sitting next to me to kind of convince me to move forward. Paige is 
got a uh, cheerleading school out in Hazeldale. It's taught her a lot about business and uh, interacting with the public. Tamara's got her own business. They're kind of like guiding us in a sense and, and keeping me um, within a reason. Because if I were to do this, I would like have a ginormous building and it would be epic. One of the things I've been thinking of this whole time, like if I thought about myself being in your guys' position, creating a room like this, uh, I feel like the biggest challenge for me would be making puzzles, creating obstacles that are difficult enough to take people some time to figure out, but not so hard that it makes no sense and they're not going to be able to figure it out unless they're in my head. So... How do you approach? How do you approach a room when you're like creating this idea where you know there's there's enough to s- people can find the thread and get themselves out of there, but not so obvious that they're like, oh god, that was easy. That is actually in in our industry one of the key issues that we run into. It's making a room uh, not only can be challenging or easy enough for your target players. See, we can have groups of two to eight people in a particular room so if you have a room challenging enough for eight people what are the two or four people going to do one of the mechanisms that are used across most of the different escape rooms not only here but around the world are um, some type of a hint system something to allow them to communicate with what we call their game master the one actually running that particular experience and they help to guide them and get them they actually have flow charts of these people should be at this point at this time if they're not here's a list of some subtle hints that you can give them so it's it becomes a mechanism um i know for um us and me personally it's really important to tell a story and that's one thing that we wanted to make sure happened the entire time um so when we start coming up with puzzles we made a list of puzzles we wanted to include and then we lined them up in an order that made sense for the actual story. So you're not gonna get through one puzzle without knowing a story. Like basically they all lead into each other. Um, so we did that with our main puzzles. And then, like you said, there has to everyone has to be entertained. So we also did kind of a sidetrack of smaller things that can be solved alongside. So two different groups can be working simultaneously and then they all meet together. Um, so that was just one of the things that was really important to us is that everything was very logical. The story flowed from beginning to the very end, and there was no puzzle that you were going to do that didn't make sense for the story. I like that idea of having a narrative kind of traveling through this whole thing. I feel like that brings a level of like, um, even even though this is all like imaginary and make-believe, you know, it's a game, but I, I like that it brings like a whole new level of realness to it. What kind of research and like R&D goes into this? Well, and like, what are your spaces? I mean, I've been in, I've been at your guys' store in the mall, in the in the Vancouver mall. But what does your guys' space look like? How do you find? I mean, are these warehouses? Like, what are the logistics of something like this? Um, our current space is actually, um, like I said earlier, I have a cheerleading gym, and we had a room that wasn't being utilized that had its own entrance. And so we thought, well, let's just convert that to an escape room to kind of give this thing a go and see, because we didn't know, you know, we think we have a really awesome idea and we're not sure how it's going to take off, but it took off, I mean, pretty immediately. And it's, we're to the point where we are actually refusing business on weekends because we're overbooked, which is a good problem to have. Um, For us, um, very, well, I wouldn't say it's similar process. We took a different road because we came from a retail game store to an added escape rooms 
Um, so in t traditionally, escape rooms are in um, more industrial areas, larger open rooms, uh, you know, where people would have a shop or a warehouse area because they need a lot of room to build out the adventure. Uh, from our perspective, we have one in the Three Rivers Mall in Kelso, one in the, actually two in the Vancouver Mall now, and then one in a, a retail strip mall in Salmon Creek. And it was all about foot traffic and their shopping in there. So how do we put in a, a, you know, a 30 by 30 escape room inside of that space? So we kind of take a modular approach. We built modular rooms. The walls are printed directly on the plywood and we put the, the rooms up and they can actually be rotated in between locations. Mm. Um, and there's no permanent build out, which helps a lot. Um, if I'm going to be setting up like like the perfect team to solve this, what kind of personalities am I going to have in there? Um, you're going to want someone um, probably that's quiet and more detail-oriented, more of an observer. Um, those people tend to see things that the louder all over the place people don't. Um, you're definitely going to need a leader. Um, you're going to need people that have the ability to listen. Um there's been several times where kids have spoken up and had the answer and they've said it like five times out loud <laughs> and the adults are completely ignoring them. Um, and then finally we'll give a hint like, listen to the kid because <laughs> the kid has said the answer. Um, having, what else? A, a, div a div diverse group. You need people that each excel um, in their own way at different things. Um, probably the worst group we ever had was an HR department. <laughs> I won't name the company, but they had a, an HR director and, and um, she was so the alpha. And that sh she had her four other HR people with her. And they were so, they deferred to her so much that even if they knew the answer or said they didn't speak up, they just looked over her shoulder, they just, wanted to follow the lemming off the cliff and that's exactly what they did um and and they they had a very light you can tell she hired people very similar to her which works for some things but it doesn't work for a a, a good team because either no one had any different thoughts or everyone was too afraid to speak their individual thoughts um so that that was our worst team is it the team of everybody the same even if it was a really good personality if it was all the same it does not very well because you need people that can think differently to succeed i think what the i think what the amazing thing is, is some people will come in and blow their own expectations out of the water like they come in thinking oh well i'm going to be dumb i'm not going to be able to do this and then they're the ones that start to figure it out and piece the puzzles together. It's really cool to see people push themselves beyond their comfort zone. I have a few friends who are bartenders, and they are very critical of other bartenders when they go to when they go to go out to drink and like watch how they make things. Are you guys like that with your rooms when you go when you go check out these other places? Are you like critiquing their work while you're exploring it and trying to sneak out I think it's difficult not to. Um, but I'm I, I don't really concentrate on that. I more so concentrate on what did they do really great. Like I I like to be. Um, I like my mind to be blown. I like to see what they've done and see, okay, well, how can I take that and make it 10 times better? If that makes sense. Yeah, same. Um, before we actually opened our first room, we were just doing escape rooms. I was so much better at them 
<laughs> now that when we go into a room, I spend so much time analyzing the props and how they did this and that we sometimes forget to, oh, I'm supposed to solve this in 60 <laughs> minutes. So if people are interested, how can they sign up and um, how many people should they have for your rooms? How long do they take? And is there anything, any tips that you would give people before their first escape room? Um, our escape room, you can find us at www.nwescapeexperience, so Northwest, just nwescapeexperience.com. Um, we do all of our bookings online. It is $29 a person. You can have four to eight people in a room. Um, and the number one tip that I give people when they ask, you know, what's the key to escaping is um, communication. So if you find something, don't keep it to yourself. Um, and that's the teams that do the best are the ones that communicate. And don't overthink it. Mm-hmm. Don't overthink it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. We're not out to trap you and make it impossible for you to solve the room. Um, if you come out of there and you fail, it's not nearly as good of an experience if you come out of there and you succeeded. Succeeding with two seconds left is the ultimate goal of our Game Masters. That's that's a real key. <laughs> uh, to reach uh, Mythic Escapes, we're at mythicescapes.com, uh, Facebook slash Mythic Escapes, either one. Um, or you can stop by the Vancouver Mall. We're down by Macy's. Uh, we also have a new suite open by Cinetopia, and we're in Salmon Creek uh, by across the street from Albertsons uh, next to the hospital there. Great. Well, thanks for coming on, you guys. Okay, so we are sitting down with Emily Gillespie, um, and she is going to be telling uh, us a little bit about her upcoming Sunday story, which explores child uh, child exploitation, right? Online child exploitation. Online child exploitation. So thanks for coming on. Tell us, when it's about child exploitation, but under these circumstances, and at least in the frame of your story, what does that mean? Well, it can mean a number of different things. Uh, a majority of the time, Uh, Well, my story specifically deals with online child exploitation because I uh, started the story with the uh, Digital Evidence Cybercrime Unit, which is a uh, multi-agency unit, uh, mostly VPD, but um, there's like Homeland Security uh, officials there as well. Um, But that includes child pornography, child solicitation uh it's sort of a hard thing to explain but it essentially is when a uh someone is just trying to exploit a child whether that be you know getting them to share photos or actually meet up with someone um which is attempted child rape really fun topic (laughs) but these are this is a real issue um and i think that you know i I think so many adults don't fully understand how integrated the internet is in our lives now but especially integrated in the lives of kids and um you know so many of these threats can seem so far away but it's as i'm sure your story clearly says i mean these things happen here were you able to find I think, you know, as reporters, we always try to find like a person or an example of uh, that really embodies the story we're trying to tell. I imagine it was probably a huge struggle to try to find a source like that for a story like this. Uh, Yes, I didn't think I was going to find someone who was personally affected by this. But 
I did through my sources. I'm very uh, grateful to have kind of fostered some relationships with the police officers I worked with for this story. And I kind of relied on them to reach out to the victims that they communicate with. Um, and uh, one of them came through for me, really, uh, really appreciated it because it drives the story. Um, it makes it much, so much more powerful when you hear from someone about their personal experience rather than talking about this in a general sense. Mm -hmm. Yes, statistics and figures just don't make the connection like a person does. Nope. Mm -hmm. So without without giving too much away in advance of people reading the story on Sunday, um, can you share a little bit of the family's story and what and what happened to them and um, how VPD uh, how VPD helped them in the the days that followed, weeks that followed of their investigation? Yeah, the story isn't so much about the police investigation. It more has to do with how a young girl, um, she was 11 at the time, uh, got into this, like how this all happened. Um, because ultimately, I, I would hope the takeaway would be parents learning a little bit more about how susceptible all children are to this. I mean, children are getting cell phones in elementary school these days, which, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I can't comment on t whether that's a good idea or not, but um, it is happening. So um, the reality of the threat and how this girl became, you know, she was a straight-A student, never got in trouble, and this, this mother discovered this one day, and it sort of just sheds a light on how real this can be and how parents can um, take the proper precautions so that their children don't end up the same fate as this girl did. Well, and, and if I if I read you, if I'm remembering correctly, she, um, this gal was, this, this girl was victimized through like a cell phone game that she was playing, right? So I'm not sure that she uh, played the game on her cell phone. She did eventually talk to the people on her cell phones. Oh. So I, I think it's just it drives home, you know, I mean, kids are always going to be more technologically advanced than their parents. I mean, they're always going to be on some new social media or some new game or some new whatever that mom and dad may not be familiar with. So I think even as, as people our age, you know, who grew up with the internet are starting to become parents, um, I think there's still some potential for, for kids to find new ways to communicate with strangers online that, that we don't really know about. So, right. And technology evolves so quickly that, I mean, if I were to meet a 10 year old today, they would know way more about their cell phone than I would in terms of what it can do and what um, n are the new like apps and new things to do. You really have no idea who these people are unless you meet them face to face, which is obviously a really bad idea if you're a kid. Good Lord. But anyway, uh, when you were, uh, what did you learn from reporting this story that you didn't, that you might not have known uh, going into, going into this research? Um, the thing I, that most surprised me, I will say had to do with child pornography. I guess the surprising part was learning how many direct victims there actually are. So the statistics for people who 
own consumer produce or distribute child pornography uh, is that there's about 30 to 40 percent of the time they have a victim in their life. So the reason behind the police going after this specific crime uh, is also to make sure that the children in in their lives are safe. Hmm. Does Vancouver, I, I always hear that the I-5 corridor um, for for exploitation and human trafficking and, and thing, I know that's sort of, out, that's outside the scope of this story, but, um, but I mean, you always hear about some of the challenges that come with um, and some of the risk factors that the I-5 corridor carries. And I mean, does Vancouver in this regard have any specific, does it pose any specific challenges for police or are there any, is this sort of a hotbed of this kind of activity um, as a result? of our location or the biggest thing that police sort of expressed about this specific type of crime is that it happens everywhere because the internet is everywhere these perpetrators are in other countries they're in other states and um, there's a lot of communication within law enforcement Um, so that was actually one of the things that the detective I talked to um, this part didn't make it into the story because it was pretty long (laughs) story but uh he was most surprised by how well the different agencies work together for this specific issue a lot of the times like jurisdictional um protocol or whatever whatever um can make (laughs) can be an issue in investigating different crimes but this one he said was pretty seamless and he was impressed by everyone's ability to work together. Hmm. What was it that got you started on on this story? Well, the sergeant over this unit, embarrassingly, a year ago, reached out to me because he wanted to show me more about what they do. And um, I think it was more in respect to uh, the fact that we, myself and our courts reporter, get the entire facts of a case when people go to court Um, and sometimes detectives ask us to leave out specific parts because they are I guess leave out specific details because they are crucial to their investigation so since they so I I believe he was reaching out to me because they had just done a sting and they had, um, they were asking us not to include certain details. And to a certain extent, you know, we, I work with my editors to decide if that's, you know, a reasonable request or not. Um, and in this case, it is since the uh, ultimate goal is to, you know, sure. child predators read the newspaper as well. So if they read an exact, you know how description description of, of exactly how the police with do their jobs yeah, yes right then it makes it them more yeah. aware of how to get around them so what do you cover here i am uh one of our police and breaking news reporters got you so yeah it was interesting uh, that you mentioned uh the courts reporters jessica prokop you guys work uh pretty pretty often i see you guys talking back and forth about stories at hand because i mean really it's like your guys's beats seem to go together pretty seamlessly yeah we're sort of a crime team i'd call it yeah uh with 
myself, Andy Matarisi, and Jessica Prokop. You guys need a banner that says that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want the takeaway for this story to be for uh, people that put it, pick it up and then uh, read it on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon? I guess my hope is that parents read this and walk away with a better understanding of technology and the relationship that children have with technology. I mean, I hate to start something off saying kids these days, but kids these days do, their technology is an integrated part of their life. And um, one of the detectives, or the detective that I interviewed, um, described the internet like a door and that the door swings both ways. You can go out into the world, essentially, and find a lot of great things, but that the door also swings the other way and that people can also come in through the door. <laughs> I guess I don't know if that's a um, right way to say it, but uh, just, just, I guess, a different perspective on uh, the devices that they're putting in the hands of their children. Yeah. Well, I think this, should, this story should be really sobering to know that, like, um, technology, like your security, your personal security um, with your technology is not something to take for granted. Like just because your phone or your device is easy to use, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's doing a good job protecting you or the people in your life, especially the most vulnerable ones like your kids. Yeah, I'd say they don't do that. No, not at all. <laughs> cool. Well, anything else you want to ask? Well, thanks for coming on and talking with us about this. Yeah, so people welcome. can find it, um, obviously, in print on the and the their Colombian, but then also it's going to be online, right? Um, yeah. All right. Thanks, Emily. Yeah. Well, it's that time again where we wrap up the show to talk with Ashley Swanson, powerful Ashley Swanson, about all the good things coming up this weekend. Man, we really struggled without you last week. You oh have you have no idea. <laughs> I have never fumbled through anything worse in my life. You might as well have tried to make me read like sight music and play a violin or something. It was <laughs> awful. So anyway, but you're back. Thanks for being here. Yeah, no problem. We appreciate you is the takeaway here. So I feel it. I feel appreciated. <laughs> it's good. So what have we got going on this weekend? Um, it's an interesting kind of quiet weekend. I think a lot of people are just kind of like waiting for the sun to come out and, you know. Stay out. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the events are, are quieter events, but they're still really interesting. Um, we start off with the uh, big Coo- uh, Clover Run, which is happening on Sunday. Um, it's hosted by Y Racing. And what's kind of cool is they have three different uh, routes you can do. So there's a three-mile route, a seven-mile route, and a 10-mile route. And this, I think, is their first event of the year. It is. It is. Um, and to it's, start your season. It's true. And it's one of the few uh, racing... Like, we've had a few earlier this year, but a lot of them were affected due to the weather. Mm. So this will be, like, the first one that will probably go off without a hitch. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> no, she does a good job. Those Y racing events are pretty spectacular, mm-hmm. actually. So Yeah, and then in the weekend section, we also kind of expanded to a big uh, list of the upcoming races this summer because there's a lot that happened in Clark County. And so if you don't have a chance to make this one on Sunday, um, which you can still register for. It's like 50 to $70, depending on which route you choose. Um, but you can plan out for maybe one in, in April or May or June, July, all the way out to, I think, August. So, Cool. 
yeah, lots of fun ones. Um, and then I think this is a kind of cool event because um, I, I really, I've had a couple um, quilt makers in my life and they're really entertaining people, but the uh, North Clark County, our North Clark Historical Museum has their 12th annual quilt show. Mm. And so it's gotten a lot bigger over the years, too. So it's spread out over two venues. One's at the Mountain Valley Grange in Amboy. The other one's at the museum. The one at the museum will just be um, devoted to uh, a specific quilter's quilt. So you can kind of look at at her um, art. And I don't know. I just I like quilts. They're colorful and bright and big. And and, um, quilting's gotten really advanced too with all the different technologies and you'll see like things that are qualify as like fiber arts or you'll see things that are more back to the traditional like you know big queen size blankets and and squares and i don't know i, I like quilting yeah fiber arts are pretty amazing is that does that have a cost associated with it no or? it's all well, free um just you know donate if you can and it's uh saturday and sunday so if you have time and want to look at fabric it's it's fun want to get your quilt on yeah um, and then if, if you are in or to a more active scene, um, there's this tour company called Pinups on Tour. Um, they're coming to town and they're going to perform two sort of vintage style like USO shows, burlesque shows sort of thing. Um, oh, cool. But it's also to help support the troops. So they're giving tickets away if you're a veteran, but if, if you're not, some of the, the cost and stuff helps. Um, and it looks really fun. They're all wearing vintage outfits. They got like that, that kind of jazz 40s like swinging stuff going on. Wait, where is that happening? Um, the American Legion Post 176. God, where is that at? I have I no idea. I believe it's kind of in Hazeldell. Oh. Yeah. Gotcha. But uh, tickets are 20 to $50, depending on where you sit. Um, but, you know, they kind of, it gives you like a vintage throwback to all that kind of fun vaudeville f- performancing. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, two high school theater productions. So we have a couple high schools that go really all out for their theater productions. Like we're talking like high quality stuff costumes and and stage shows and dancing and choreography and music um one which is camas's high school they're doing cinderella but they're doing the broadway version the the rogers and hammerstein version mm. which gives like more um character like more um oomph to the characters so they're not just like cutouts like the prince has problems um cinderella has problems the stepmother's got problems like so like they all got some depth to them and yeah little complications but then like the costumes are really big and the sets like i've seen some of the the pre-production photos that are just like huge and and see and this is why we need you ashley because we mentioned that last week and i knew none of that con i didn't know that it was the roger and hammerstein version so yeah we were literally like oh there's cinderella and uh i guess they're doing the broadway one it's like six bucks I don't even think we got <laughs> it was a terrible description <laughs> no yeah they they worked really hard they got like um all this choreography and the songs and they even have the cool wireless mics that that go into it so it's it's a full-on production um the last uh, shows are um, Saturday and or Friday and Saturday, and it's ten dollars or seven dollars if you're a student or senior. So it's a pretty good production. Um, and then Prairie High School is also they do put a lot of effort into it as well, and they're doing sort of a, I didn't know this could be a uh, a stage show, but they're doing Catch Me If You Can, which is the the um, con man who like runs around the world and you know does a bunch of different. Um, occupations and keeps conning people but he's also somewhat lovable so yeah <laughs> which I, I, I would be really curious to see your affable that. criminal type <laughs> yeah as he ended you, up as actually you do. so the guy who that 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 show is about actually wound up working for the fbi mm-hmm. shortly after his arrest yeah 
I mean, he was that charming. So dude was on top of things. <laughs> so anyway, he they're doing a play about him now. Yeah, so it's like a musical version of the uh, movie which came out a while ago, which was based on the book about that guy's life. Um, so that'll be Friday and Saturday as well. Tickets are about twelve fifty, um, with some discounts for students and seniors. Mm. So both would be really fun to go see. God, I am dying for the day you come in here and tell us the Book of Mormon and or Hamilton are coming back to town. They are. They are. Well, I know, I know that Hamilton is, but like you have to. There's some weird, super high bar to try to get tickets to that. Yeah, you have to be like a season ticket holder. Well, yeah. that was to get the pre stuff. Uh, so if you uh, had become a season ticket holder for this season, they would have let you in on the pre sales for next season. Uh, so then you could get tickets. But they will do the single tickets eventually, which will be probably the hottest tickets in the area. Oh, probably. good lord! No I'm not yeah. getting those tickets. No, I mean I'll try, but yeah. they're gonna be like billion dollars mm-hmm. but i also think the book of mormon is coming back next season but I, i'll have to double check on i that. hope so yeah. god i want to see that mm. yeah so i mean yeah the broadway and portland series is really really fun yeah i'm really impressed by the quality of theater production up in battleground actually mm-hmm. prairie high school does good stuff mm-hmm. battleground high school does good stuff oh, yeah. so yeah we have some we have some top tier um high school drama departments and and they'll get like awards up at like the um kind of seattle uh theater arts show thing and yeah yeah they they put on a lot of effort and sweat and it's worth worth seeing so cool. um the last thing is if you want to wander over to portland uh there's the cider rite of spring that's happening on saturday so about 30 cider makers are gathering to kind of showcase like 100 different ciders and you can just taste and try of cool. course it's for 21 and older because it is hard cider not <laughs> not apple juice um and tickets are about 25 to 40 and that's kind of your weekend. That's the list. Yeah. That's still pretty good. Yeah. Um, any of your top recommendations? Oh, you know me. I like them all. You do. You I, do. I mean, the reason I bring these ones are because they're the ones I think are most interesting. The, the creme and, de la creme. And worth, and worth mentioning. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Cool. Well, it sounds like as I have yet to be disappointed by the weekend offerings. Mm-hmm. In fact, every time I'm like, God, I'm such a loser for not knowing about that already. Yeah. So thanks for coming on. Anytime. All right, that's our show. That is a wrap. And uh, thank you guys for listening to us. I don't know if you've heard this elsewhere. You probably have. But there's a pretty cool thing happening in the podcast sphere right now that I would love to encourage you guys to participate in. So the whole idea is that... um, Tell your friends to listen to podcasts. If you know somebody who doesn't listen to any shows, but you think they could get the same kind of benefits that you're getting from all this really enriching uh, content that's being put out there on this medium, you should tell them to listen to it. And a great way to do it is um, there's a hashtag floating around social media right now called Tripod. Like cool. T-R-Y-P-O-D. Like try a podcast. Yeah. And cool. so what you would do is on your Twitter or your Facebook page, just list out a couple that you like, tag a few people, and then hit hashtag Tripod. And man, it would be cool if you guys included us. I'm not saying you have to do it, but I just, I love podcasts, so I like the idea of getting as many people as possible to start listening to them. So what are, what are you recommending for people then? So it really depends. Um, 
man the the what is it the missing richard simmons podcast yeah i've been wanting to start that one it's so only, you're enjoying that one it's only going to be six episodes long but that has been fascinating and a uh really really nuanced look into a guy that you know maybe he's richard simmons so <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean he was kind of the fitness bob ross of the yeah. 80s and 90s, right? Or even older than that, right? Totally. And I mean, the show explains so much nuance about this guy, like his issues with depression, his super savvy business ways, the fact that even after he was worth like millions and millions of dollars, he was still teaching an exercise class for $12 a person in this super rundown studio. Oh. So that, that sounds just charming and it, like a nice time. It's a great it's a great show. Um, that one was really good. I am uh, Night Vale has been a lot of fun. Night Vale is very fun. That's one I've been touting. I, the first one I always recommend to people is Hardcore History. That show is stunning. You have to be ready to commit some serious time to it, but man, Hardcore History is good. Cool. Um, uh, how about you? I'm really enjoying Bite, which is the Mother Jones food podcast. Um, mm. I'm a big fan of that one. Um, I've also been listening to the Tiny House podcast, which is probably a little more niche than most of our listeners are into. But um, but they're based out of Portland, and um, and the host have actually visited her tiny house, and it's amazing. Um, oh, cool. What else am I listening to? Uh, hey, I don't know if you what I got. I don't know if you've done it or not yet, but if you're a fan of the. Um, if you're a fan of The New Yorker, uh, they have all of their podcasts that they have out right now. They have like four or five different wow, ones. Wow, cool. They're all really good. The one I'm really into is there's like a short fiction podcast. Oh, cool. I don't remember the name of it specifically, but under their umbrella, they have many. So check awesome. it out. Yeah, yeah, it's overwhelming. I'm just looking at, you know, all the podcasts that I have downloaded that I haven't listened to yet. I mean, there's like a hundred of them. So it's a... Uh, it, it can be overwhelming. So that's a cool concept. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, um, please get in touch with us. Tell us how you're, tell us how we're doing. Tell us how you're doing. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us um, at podcast at Columbian.com. And new episodes of the, of Clark talks are posted on the Columbians front page every Thursday. And you can also find us at SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, and wherever else podcasts are found. All the usual place that you find podcasts. All right. Well, we will see you next week.